Jay-Z, Justin Timberlake. Holy Grail. You'd steal the Off that album. Download that app. This is what it is. You'll see me. You thought somebody was going to beat me to all of this? It doesn't happen. You're mad. Stay mad. You cursed the day. Me, I'm the king of this DJ thing right here. Some people are afraid to be the best. Not TC and J. Welcome in, folks. It's me, TC Fleming. Jake is not here. He is anti-Fort Worth. That's been his long-time stance. Uh, he refuses to step foot in the city limits because it is, in his words, trash. Uh, but I'm in Fort Worth because I'm here with Liz and Matt Brunig. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey. Hey. Doing good. How are you? Based on the mentions, I think this is a, a dream of uh, the, the small band of uh, ruff- ruffians that listen to us. So, um, you know. Big, big moment for them, and uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just psyched about it. So, uh, I don't even know where to start. I just start firing random questions at you guys. You know, it's a fact that all of our enemies eventually unite. So, uh, we should do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We should unite. Link nope. and build. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like ants. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, now, so... Uh, 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 you know, you, you guys are from Texas. That's why you're currently in Texas. Um, I think that all the Texas listeners really want to know how serious you are about coming back. Feels like you're more just like messing with us, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, it's very tempting. It's very tempting to come back. You know, it's just so hard to know what the future holds. You know, who Matt will infuriate next. No, I think that's why you come back, because it's a whole fresh fresh group of people for me to piss off yeah you mean but you've already alienated many texans if you're being honest you know when i was here last time i i lime scooted the jfk assassination you did and i took it well i posted pics of me lime scooting the jfk assassination and someone from the dallas morning news tweeted and took umbrage from it and i was like my god i was like i'm just recreating what i do in dc but i Dallas, and I've only been here a few days. The media is already mad at me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, this could be fertile ground. I know it's he, a whole fresh. Uh, fresh while, group. while I was interviewing one of Trump's faith advisors, Robert Jeffers, a First Dallas Baptist, Matt Lime scooted to Dealey Plaza and then to a Seven Eleven where he bought our daughter a small Paw Patrol toy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that then, was her uh, only available here. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then, then Lime scooted around tweeting about the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. <laughs> it changes way. your perspective when you do it on no, a line scooter. Really bad that. Kind of brings you closer to the historical event. It does, yeah. You it's, feel it the way he did. It's it, also open air. It is. It's not As, It's not quite like a segue, but it's close in terms of the, the feeling. So, I'd say probably my greatest uh, ride share, well, my greatest ride share moment was uh, giving a ride to Chick, uh, Chick-fil-A to those two prostitutes. But... Number two is uh, just a normal mundane ride where someone uh, going to work in the morning in just like full-on work clothes, you know, suit, uh, tried to take a corner on one of those bad boys and just fucking ate it. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen a drunk person fall off one before. I I texted Matt uh, one day while I was out and about in Washington, D.C. that I saw a bird scooter in the Potomac (laughs) (laughs) sinking in. They like to throw them in the river. And Matt replied, churlish. Churlish, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. 
It is churlish. Um, and, like, do you, do you have a, a clear preference? You've you've lived a number of places uh, for for people of your age. Uh, do, do do you like one drastically more than the other? Yeah, Texas. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's cheap. I mean, it's great for young people because compared to the other places we've lived, it's cheap. I mean, we lived in Boston for a while. That's great if you're a student. Very expensive if you're trying to like actually buy a house. Although Matt did manage to live for free in a home just outside Boston for a year. I did. Yeah, How'd that worked. Oh, uh, well, there was a professor who was going on uh, a sabbatical or something like that mm-hmm. for the whole the whole year in the UK, and she, she wanted someone to watch her house. I should say I was this like, was my professor. I'm, I'm your man. I can take care of your dogs very, and whatever. very lovely woman. She's a Russian literature professor, and so like the exact opposite type of person from Matt. Yeah, but she wasn't there. It worked out great. I also lived in an anarchist co-op house. While I was in Boston for four hundred dollars uh, a month, which was a good deal, yeah, that um, seems like uh, antithetical, though. Yeah, it's I don't know why they. All. I don't know why they call it a co-op house. It's just a big rent house with a bunch of anarchists in it. Except not everyone was anarchists. There were there were a couple communists in there. What the fuck? Um, I don't know. That was their game. And then I lived in this like uh, sort of this like slum type situation yes. where I basically lived in a closet for six hundred a month, and the building was tilted. It was, it was, it was falling over. It was tilting. The room, if you put a marble in the corner, it would roll swiftly. <laughs> Um, and Matt, um, also we should note the anarchist co-op, it smelled like cat piss. It, well, not always, but there was a cat. Someone brought in and was like, oh, I found this cat. It's a little inferred from anarchist co-op. <laughs> it wasn't cat piss. It was whatever, like the men spray. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the, the male cat. The male cats. Like when they get going. And Ooh. she brought him in and she didn't even realize this. And yet. Um, Disgusting. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was rough. It was really bad. Yeah, uh, there's one time that my wife was shopping for apartments, and uh, she had like a normal good apartment that she did end up going with, and then one that was like uh, above a funeral home that that absolutely did not have a level floor in any way, shape, or form. And I, I was like, this is perfect. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm in a lease, but it, I'd like to break it. Just <laughs> could I get this one? <laughs> uh, it, it was delightful. Uh, I don't know. I just like. I try not to like uh, 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 play myself on this, but especially, and I mean, I guess I'm interested. Li- I don't, I don't want to scoop the New York Times, but you're down here to uh, to, to look into the uh, the reopening, right? Yes. Um, and so you know, just just it, it feels like now is the time when I'm probably going to reap the consequences of living in a place where like I know that all the leaders are idiots, and like I just feel like I, I won't have any ability to complain about it. Like really, you like like I, I've known that any time that something was going on, that like you know Greg Abbott might like actually shoot me. <laughs> like something better than that, like like I should be grateful for, uh, and so you know I, I kind of feel like I have it coming by just staring down this train. Like you're gonna get mad at the conductor because he ran you over. Get off the tracks. <laughs> uh, so you know, as as you contemplate moving back here, I, I just wonder if you uh, uh, have any thoughts on that, or th- you know. I mean, you always do, like, especially, uh, Matt, with your work, uh, with how much like, you like the Nordics, at some point, doesn't it feel like the easy answer is just, like, move there? <laughs> well. It's hard to get in. It is tough to get in, unless you're a refugee. And then, then it's easy to get into all of them, except for Denmark. <laughs> then then it's, a, it's a bad situation. Um, they put you on some kind of island and torture you. Well, that was a proposal. They do all sorts of stuff. <laughs> torture uh, Island was a proposal? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't torture per se but you know um anyways but 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is about these red states is, you know, if you're poor or, you know, working class, they're, they're awful, um, you know, comparatively speaking. But, you know, if you're making those podcast millions, I mean, <laughs> that's just set up for you. Yeah, you know, it's just like, uh, it's quite conceivable to me that I'd be poor a year from now. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, uh, at, at that point, it'd be the same thing of like, are, are you are you shocked, TC, that they, they didn't uh, have your back on this one? They never told you they would. <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know. I mean, it also feels like living in Texas, if you're a person of the left, there's actually quite a lot of work to be done. Yeah, some low-hanging fruit. There's certainly. some low-hanging fruit. <laughs> That's I mean. true. No, we could come down here and cast a boat, vote for Beto. Okay. Well, I mean, probably local <laughs> stuff. Um, but, you know, I think it's beautiful down here. I mean, it, you know, it looks like nowhere else on Earth. I've lived in some butt-ugly places. Uh, D.C. is the worst place. The worst place on earth. I mean, it, it, it's DC's fine. I don't. I don't mind DC, but there's definitely a feeling of the open skies and so on that you don't get in DC. Um, and the you know, it, but I don't know how much of it is familiarity and how much of it is like objective. Well, yeah, good. it's impossible to separate um, the yeah. the familiarity and the nostalgia from the uh, objectivity of it. But um, yeah, I've lived in the United Kingdom, and um, the healthcare was great. It was free. Mm-hmm. I was there on a scholarship provided. Yeah, gotta be around the British. Big drawback. That was the problem. You're not. You're yeah. not kidding. Um, yeah. I love our UK listeners, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm very outgoing. I'm very extroverted, and uh, it, it's just that's not acceptable there. And that I, I became extremely lonely. Yeah, that's a bummer. It did suck. Uh, yeah, like my my brother's uh, daughter was asking my daughter if she watches Peppa Pig, and I told him we don't have British content allowed in our house. <laughs> they all thought that was very funny. And I'm like, no, no, I mean, it's imperialist mindset. It'll just seep in. You, you can't, uh, can't expose that to them. Who knows? Jane picked up uh, an accent from Peppa Pig she briefly. Does, yeah, she does have some British inflected words. I'm and like, she'll say proper. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a proper picnic. She was, I'm like, yeah, she was talking about something about the, she, uh, in her mind, a full moon is a proper moon. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I was yeah, like, they uh, probably they probably call it that. They call it lots of weird stuff. I was like, you know, she called one day. She was like, "Mummy." I was like, "We're not gonna have any of that no, in this house." No, <laughs> no, no. I would rather you call me Liz <laughs> than call me Mummy. Yeah, no, that's one of the things I get roasted for all the time. I, I, I call my parents Tom and Linda. That's, oh, uh, Matt calls his dad Marty. Yeah, oh, I call him Marte. Okay. <laughs> from the uh, Arizona Cardinals, Marte Jenkins. Do you remember him from the two thousands? I was not a mm-hmm. uh, big Arizona yeah. Cardinals. I always thought that was funny because I was a child and I was like, look, it's like my dad, Marty, but it's Marte. There we go. And and it just sort of stuck. So, uh, so do you, um, uh, this, this is a question from, uh, from Jake. He did submit oh. a, a, a list that I was uh, duty bound to ask you. He's deigned to come to our level. <laughs> Uh, you know, just couldn't breathe the fucking air out here. But uh, but but did did have some things he wanted to know about. Um, his he he came up with two more questions after this, but uh, made it clear that really the only thing he wants to know is how much you two talk about Twitter whenever you're sitting on the couch in your own home. Um, it happens. Yeah, less, much less than we used to. Yeah, the um, children, you know, eat up a lot of time and energy, but. 
Uh, yeah, you know, the Twitter controversy of the day is, is fun to kick around, I guess. Um, like, he's just both so online. I think that he was imagining that, like, <laughs> the, the, the degree to which people were talking about the grandma killer lady, that, like, that is, that is like, the, the percentage of tweets that were about that, that, that's also the same percentage of your words to each other. No. Where you're just like, boy, that fucking grandma killer lady. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think we talked about that one at all. Um, no. Well, so, so used to, I was very upset. Like, it would really hurt me when people yeah. would get mad at me on Twitter. Liz was real worried about her menchies for a long time. I would get worried about my menchies, and then I learned to stop worrying and hate I mean, my menchies. they seem like really bad menchies, man. No, they, they are bad. They <laughs> They're are bad menchies. But, but you got to get out of the mindset of, like, oh, these, you know, 50 or 60 bad tweets, that indicates a whole society hates me or something like that. It's hard, though, man. It is. It's psychologically weird. I don't think we're evolved for that level. Not at all. No. Not at all. Yeah, no, it's, it, it becomes very... Like I, I pissed off all the P1s. Uh, I would say once, but like, you know, there was one big one, but like lots of times. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, yeah, then it's like, it, it was amazing because like, like I wouldn't... Uh, it's not like I'd be like, man, I'm depressed because of those things all those people said. I would read them, I would feel like they rolled off my back, and then I would notice that every time for like the next couple of days, I would just feel like shit. Mm. Like, like not like because I was thinking about it, but just that's how I felt. I, I don't know. Um, it, it certainly feels like just as someone who's uh, who, who who reads all all of your all of both of your tweets, uh, not all of, but you know, a, mm-hmm. a, good, a good portion. Sure. Um, I don't have healthy habits at all. <laughs> uh, uh, just uh, you know, like it, it, it felt like Liz, that you're you're really down on it in a way that I could identify with a couple of years ago, and it feels like we've uh, we, we've perked up since then. So I, I hate Twitter. I hate it so much. I hate it. I'm addicted to it. I also I have like to Twitter. do it for my work. <laughs> um, I mean, people just. I mean, I turned off my menchies, so I have very specific menchies nice. settings. So when people are all you getting get the mad, blue check, you get those extra. Yeah, the perks, the mm. perks. Um, so I, I just, I ignore them most of the time. And when I look at them, they're invariably like, shut up, fascist, I hate you, <laughs> bitch. Uh, yeah. Let me, give me a picture of your feet, honey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well, that just, seems kind of so complimentary. Yeah, it's complimentary. I don't mind sounds, the feet yeah. guys, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, it's so far removed from anything I think of as erotic. They're like, can we see your toes? I'm like, go to bed, <laughs> horny weirdo. <laughs> it doesn't really scandalize me all that but much. I mean, you know, like if you are kind of like uh, fueled by people's toes, that you're probably not going to get them if you don't ask. You know? No, yeah, I mean, you definitely you got to shoot your shot. And the yeah. the feet guys are all the way out of pocket. I got in an I got an Uber one time actually. Speaking of ride shares, and I had on I was going to an event and I had on high heels, uh-huh. like pretty ones. And the Uber driver was like, "Actually, can I take a picture of your feet?" The answer is um, no. <laughs> because I'm looking for a pair of shoes like that for my girlfriend. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I was like, no, no, no sir. No. no, you cannot. That Thank was you. not a believable. No. You should have said, I'm the, the feet inspector. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like... Well, I, fuck, was like, I guess I gotta let him. I mean, he's a government guy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see a badge? <laughs> I was like, no, sir, no. <laughs> but it, like I, it wasn't even like I, I it wasn't like how do you uh, review that ride though? I was question. like, it was did a, you give them five you know, stars? I, yeah, I think I always yeah, do yeah, just do as too. a reflex. I was like, yeah, I got where I needed to go. You know, I like the Ubers I get into that have like the little sheet glued on to the back of the yeah, driver's yeah. thing. Who's like, you got to give me five stars, or my family's gonna die. And I'm like, all right, shit. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, based on that, like, like w- before I was driving, I, I, I was like, I don't know if I could do this. It's, it seems too cutthroat out there. Like, you know, people just giving out one star views left and right. And it, it's, they certainly will kick you off the app if you're like below a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. It's pretty easy. I'm not nice at all to any of my customers. And they, yeah, I got like, I, in Lyft, I got a straight 5.0. Uber's a little bit tougher, tougher standards. So you do the fist bump it? And Lyft. <laughs> that was a thing for remember at first the Lyft Lyft shtick was gonna be we're like your friend taking you on a ride and they tried to get people to sit in the front seat and fist bump the driver and they like gave up on that really quickly. Yeah, yeah I'm glad they did. Yeah. Um, it doesn't no. really appeal to me. No. I'm not gonna sit in the front. I don't wanna do that. I don't know why I can't explain it. It just feels weird to me to do that. I, I want an anonymous ride. If anything, there should be like a sheet between me <laughs> and the driver. And, you know, if they need to say something, they can push like a little intercom button. Matt's been, he's hes really picked up, uh, he's hes fiercely uptaken the mask, I think, for reasons of anonymity <laughs> as much yeah. as anything. No one can see your expression. The mask is great, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also don't want to make people sick, you know. In D.C., you have to wear a mask if you go to the store or, or anything. They won't let you in. There's like a little person that, in the, at the store that's like, get out, get out. Yeah, Matt says he can't take our daughter uh, to the store in the stroller because he doesn't have a tiny baby mask. <laughs> I wonder what they would do with the baby. I did, our, our four-year-old did wear a mask, and she kind of, at first she was resistant, but eventually she kind of liked wearing it, so. Yeah, she, she's she like a robber. Able, she was able to go to the store. But. I tweeted out, do I need to make a baby mask for my baby? And a, and a pediatrician from the United Kingdom with an NHS email address emailed me and was like, you don't need a baby mask. <laughs> yeah, well, it wouldn't work because the child's not going to participate with it, but. I mean, even if you could, like, duct tape it on, he was like, they don't appear to transmit it really, and they also don't appear to be super affected by it. So just don't waste your time. Well, that's, you know, that's the UK, though. Save yourself. Different people there. You know? Yeah, he's right about that. That's true. Can't argue with that. It's a different country. Mm -hmm. Nice observation. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, uh, I, I, I... The expression stuff is, uh, is tough, I think. Um, you know, like I, 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 like I don't, I think that most of like any attack, like I'll usually just say something to a stranger, realize in my head that that sounds very deadpan and they probably think that I don't like them and then throw in a smile afterwards and like now it's a wash. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, now it's just just the deadpan and uh, really not getting anywhere yet. In in Dallas County, we're uh, we're required hypothetically to wear the masks. I don't see a hundred percent participation, but that's okay. Um, but then, like anywhere else, like I, I you know, I'm, I I do it because like I do it because it seems like a good idea, uh, and, and because like I'm you know I'm used to in Dallas County. And then I I feel like all the people in the surrounding counties are really judging us pretty hard. I uh, like, cause, and I, I always like in my head as I see them looking at me, I want to tell them like, oh no, I, I'm usually in Dallas County, and I know that then they'd be like, I knew it, you know, like just fucking yeah. proving my point, <laughs> fucking city asshole. <laughs> you don't understand our Denton ways. <laughs> we uh, we talked about moving out to West, West comma Texas, yeah. and uh, and opening a competitor kolache shop called City Slickers. Yeah, Kalachi. yeah, we want to. We want to be our shtick. We want to go out to the country and and create a store with like the shtick is that we're like city people. Yeah, you know, sort of. Yeah, and but then like we're just kind of like assholes, and we're like we're better than you and yeah. whatever. And like that's part of the like, shtick. Dick's last resort hasn't made it out there, so this will yeah. be novel to them. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, exactly, yeah, absolutely. And if and when they come in. 
you know, it's sort of like the hot dog stand in Chicago where they like swear at you and call mm-hmm. you things. Like it would be like that, but it'll be like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll be, we'll call it Urban Matt's Bitch Palace. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll like order foie gras, and I'll be like, you probably don't know what that even means. They'll be like, <laughs> and they'll love it. They'll be, you know, we'll have a, but it'll be tongue in cheek. You it'll, know? yeah, it'll we'll, we'll be like, yeah, come on in, you hick, you hillbilly, uh-huh. hoss. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah. I think it'll it'll make it at least a year. So uh, an- another uh, question from Jake was, uh, and, and this made me wonder if he had been listening to the podcast uh, frequently enough because I feel like you've covered the Portnoy stuff that, quite a bit there. Uh, but he just wanted you know post game reaction. Uh, you, know, you you conquered one of the dumbest men on the internet. <laughs> I did, yeah, yeah. I felt good about it, but he never acknowledged the defeat, and so and no one cared, and so you know it was it was an empty empty kind of thing, I guess. Ultimately, yeah. I mean, I, I I've already made this point to you tonight, but it wasn't in a recorded setting, so it'll seem novel now. Uh, the, the the Dominic one seems so much more satisfying because like you you do not receive anything other than like him posting a notice, so like. You know, you could probably imagine that he'd be, really be fucking squirming if he had to pay up some money, um, and that's what you want mainly is the squirming, not even the money. But in this, like, he's just like fucking like going out of his way to let you know, like, I'm really fucking squirming over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. For for the listeners who aren't aware, uh, both Portnoy and Ben Dominic's uh, Portnoy of Barstool Sports and Dominic of the Federalist, they did uh, anti-union tweets saying that they would retaliate against union activity. That is illegal, and anyone can report that. I reported both of them. And uh, Portnoy just gave up. Just She just put up the white flag immediately and, and surrendered and said, all right, and uh, put up a little post. Dominic has been fighting it now for months and months and losing at the same time, which is really funny. He's got this... Recruiting the uh, rest of his uh, cronies with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've probably spent... various places. Probably spent 50000 some odd dollars on their boutique attorneys and stuff, and they just keep losing because it's a losing case at this point. So. Have you considered that? If, if uh, People's Policy Project, if, you know, whenever... Uh, Whenever Biden sweeps in, and we've kind of solved all the problems at that point. Yeah, um, you know, there's nothing left to, for for you to do. Maybe have uh, it seems like a good grift. The uh, the guy that just tells someone on the right that uh, you know, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Start up a right wing legal organization and convince people. Hey, I can do this really good impact litigation, and it will really move the needle on this or that kind of thing, and then get a bunch of money in, and then just just nothing happens. Like. Just, I, that's a good one, yeah. Uh, just say it's the kind of stuff Ben Franklin would have done, and then don't explain that further. Right, right, and the Ben Franklin Society or something like that. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh, all right. This is my guy. <laughs> How much? Um, so, yeah, I I, uh, I was recently, um, like, probably like a couple weeks before uh, quarantine started, I was with uh, some good friends, and uh, we, we, were, we were taking some acid, and they uh, were talking about how, like, they had a very pessimistic view of, like, uh, you know, the ways that, like, uh, like the, the, the basically, we are, governments are inescapably cruel to their subjects. And I was like, you know what, I certainly get that, uh, but I don't feel quite as pessimistic because I feel like you're being limited by the, uh, the American view, you know, of, like, American government is certainly that way towards its subjects, but, like, uh, yeah, I mean, we got some countries where it's kind of being figured out, and, of course, uh, reference those in Northern Europe. And I had a friend, uh, one of the guys there came back at me with something where, 
I think that broadly, like he agrees, but like just as you know, uh, something to give you pause. Um, and I don't know if this is going to make sense now that all three of us are sober. But uh, I, 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 what I what I wanted in that moment was like, uh, boy, I wish some people who knew some more about this could uh, could, could could opine on it. Um, and now here I am. So it was his point, um, and this was uh, relied heavily on references to the movie The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, was that uh, there's like a certain amount of like uh, darkness endemic to that area. And another way that he would like uh, attempt to illustrate this point is by saying, you know, like uh, if you ask like, uh, you know, people on the left, like what's a great area, that's where they point. But if you ask like uh, neo Nazis, what's a great area? Like they also probably like it quite a bit. And uh, you know, I'm not saying that like uh, the same thing or anything. You know, like you, you, it's it's a lot. Several countries. There's a lot of things about them. You can like them for different reasons. It's not uh, impossible to imagine. Um, but I, I guess the way that that uh, he phrased that seemed most convincing to me was that um, a system like that where uh, the government has, you know, like uh, more funding and more direct control over things does create an increased risk of like if it fell into the wrong hands sort of thing. Um, And, you know, I I think his point was just like, boy, you got to monitor that, not like this is a a totally flawed system of, uh, of government that we should never adopt. Um, but I, I just didn't know if you had, uh, if that's something you had uh, agreed with or considered, uh, or, you know, what, what are both your uh, general thoughts about that point? Yeah, so uh, two things, right? So on the, the, the neo-Nazis in the U.S. who like the Nordic countries, they do that because they think that these are all white, homogenous, Aryan countries and that sort of thing. That is not really true anymore. It hasn't been true for 20, 25 years. Sweden is the highest immigration rates in the world on a per capita basis, or one of the highest ones. More more immigration in Sweden on a per capita basis than in the U.S., and a lot of that's refugees. So we're not just talking about you know other Northern Europeans, you know Finns coming across the border. We are talking about um, African immigrants and uh, immigrants from uh, Syria and that sort of thing, Iraq. Um, Oslo now, the capital of Norway, is over 30% immigrant. Um, so, And, you know, you have troubles just like you might have anywhere with racism and that sort of thing. But these are not, you know, all white homogenous countries. And their systems, despite the bumps like that, still exist, still good welfare states, you know, still still functioning. As far as the power thing, I mean, that that comes... That is a risk, right? Is uh, you know, if you if you create a more centralized state that can really run things very efficiently, and and it can go both ways. They can run it efficiently, very towards bad ends, and efficiently towards good ends. Um, but the alternative is to create a very weak state that you know just kind of has mediocre, shitty outcomes, and so that's a problem as well. What I would say is in these countries, they do have a little bit of a check and balance, but it's not the kind that you think of in the U.S. where you have, you know, multiple branches of government and, you know, states and localities and all this overlapping power and so on. It's checks from other entities in society. So the labor movement, for instance, has a lot of power and is able to kind of act like a co-governing force. So you saw this in Finland recently, the uh, labor movement there basically forced the prime minister to resign because he had uh, 
he had participated in and oversaw on cuts to postal worker salaries. Very exciting episode. Yeah, it was pretty, it was, I was pumped about it. I, I um, rarely felt more inspired by uh, governmental action. Yeah, and so the government, you know, I mean, it was a, their postal service is state-owned just like ours, and they were cutting these salaries in a kind of bullshitty way, and the union movement was just like, enough, and the prime minister was forced to resign. And so you do get some balance of power in that sense, um, where it's not, you know, but, but it's coming not from other governments and other branches, it's coming from other actors in society, civil society, labor unions, the church to some degree, though obviously not so much anymore, even business organizations, things like that. that that's where the interplay really plays out, as opposed to, you know, the Senate vetoes something that the House put in, and then the, pre, you know, that's, you know, you have a unified government, but you have other factors in society that can maybe fight over certain things. So, Liz, you have a, a, a high-profile job writing for the New York Times. I do, for the moment, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, everyone's, part of everyone's job is to uh, get along with the people they're around. And, I mean, I, I, I guess my, my first question is, uh, have you ever met Brett Stevens? I have not. Okay. I have not met him uh, because I work out of D.C., the D.C. Bureau. Yeah. So do you actually go into office at any point? No, I've never been in. My editor goes into the office. She's at the D.C. Bureau, and I'm her responsibility. So, um, I, you know. Guess You've been I'm, up to the New York office a few times. Right, but he's talking about the, you know, going into the office. And if I did go into an office, it like would I just be assume they have company picnics the way that you know, <laughs> company had company well, I, I, I mean, I think there there is generally quite a... You know, there, there, there's quite an effort to, to, you know, go into the office. And if things were different, I would probably be doing that quite a bit more. And I have been up to New York several times, but always just for like a couple days here, a few days there, never, never enough time to meet everybody. Like just, I don't know, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to, uh, to create any trouble for you. And, uh, you know, if I, if I cross any lines, I'm happy to edit things out. But, uh, you know, I mean, any, any paper that's attempting to uh, cater to as wide an audience as uh, the papers you've worked at is surely going to employ some idiots. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I mean, I guess, like, in the end, just you're an adult and, like, you know, whatever, everyone deals with coworkers they don't like. But, like, you know, um, the coworkers I don't like, like, you know, no one knows them. Whereas, like, everyone hates the coworkers that, that I, I don't, maybe they're really nice people and you don't hate them at all. But, you know. Uh, well, I think. Um you know, one of the main differences between Matt and I is that Matt doesn't have any rage inside him because he expresses it all. <laughs> so, so when Matt feels angry, um, you know, he just blasts it out on Twitter. Uh, you know, he, he's like the Death Star. He just like fixes some target in his sights and just obliterates them. Um, and you never know if it's your day. You might be Dave Portnoy. Mm -hmm. Just tweeting out, if you form a union, I'm going to shoot you in the head. Um, <laughs> you might be, you know, just a, just a regular person on Twitter saying, I don't think we could pay for Medicare for all. Mm. And you never know when it's your time uh, to be crushed. I mean, how are we going to pay for it, you know? Uh, you know, I mean, these are reasonable questions, but if what Matt... What about Venezuela? <laughs> if Matt's, <laughs> if he's in Terminator mode... Uh, you just, you know, you don't know it's your moment and you, you cross the low trip wire and, uh, and that's it. Matt destroys you. He just obliterates you. Uh, you're the Iowa Democratic Party. You're trying to put up some numbers after the primary. Uh, -uh. Well, they were begging for it. Yeah, they were, they had it coming. I mean, you know, but me, I'm, I'm quite the opposite where, um, all of my rage is inside of me. 
at all times. <laughs> I am incandescently furious at every moment. Um, but I don't, uh, you know, I don't aggress other people. Um, I assume I'll die at like 40 from the amount of stress uh, that, that being extremely adrenaline-charged, pissed off all the time is putting on my heart and lungs. Um, but, you know, at, in the meantime, I think it makes me a very docile coworker. Uh, so I'm quite easy to get along with because, you know, I get, I get upset or I get angry. I you know, feel like someone has insulted me or, or some of my principles. I just, you know, push the feelings down. They form a tight ball of magma in the pit of my stomach, uh, capable of turning coal into a diamond in uh, an hour or so. So uh, that's that's pretty much where I am as a as a colleague. So uh, I I don't mean to like play into stereotypes or anything because uh, you know I, I don't uh, regard Texans with fascination because you know I'm mostly one and certainly have uh, lived with them my entire life. Uh, but I, I, I it's not my impression that like um, I don't, it feels like you probably have not has been around like a ton of other Texas public high school graduates since <laughs> entering college. Yeah, no. Most of the environments you've been in have, have not been, uh, you know, ones where uh, we folk often end up. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't, like, partly is like, uh, you know, now that I have kids, but even before I had kids, I'd play stupid games with myself in my head about like, well, what's the best place to send them to school? And like, I don't know. Private schools are terrible. Yeah. But, like, uh, I guess, I like, you do have to at some point observe that, uh, you know, it's not like Texas public high school graduates go on to do nothing. In fact, they do lots of amazing things. Um, but, I don't know, I just, I wonder, like, what, did, did you ever feel like that held you back in any way or separated you in any way? Um, and, like, did that, did that end up being, like, a, a positive or something? Like, what... What was what? What has that experience been like? Like, what are your observations from it? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it does. It, you know, in this industry, let's say, in this industry, um, writing, you know, in a high-profile way, you start to realize after a certain amount of time in it, and I've been in it for you know for my entire career now. Um, everyone uh, seems to have parents who are notable in some way. Mm-hmm. Right, like their parents uh, were maybe an elected official, or their grandfather was the governor of a state, or um, famous writers, famous writers, famous editors, big time important editors at important magazines, poets, novelists, um, publishers. TV. Yes, I mean, like they, you know, you know, and then you're like, well, shit, my parents are just people. They're just like a couple people from. Texas, and then it also turns out that people Double alcohol slushy drinking people. They, they, my dad likes a frozen strawberry daiquiri. I've I, I heard you mention on the podcast before, but I, now that like I'm I'm in this uh, this this place you live that I can see pictures of them up on the yeah. walls. I I don't think I'm getting that out of my head. No, 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 no. It's it's a very big it's a part of image. it's a big part of my home culture. Um, and then you you start to realize that people went to these high schools that I'd never heard of. 
Yeah, they all know the names of they the high schools. The, they go. Oh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess it's yeah. sort of true locally. Like you could tell someone, oh, I went to Arlington Martin or something like that. Mm-hmm. But here it's like, it's not like, oh, I know all the New York City schools. It's like they know this cluster of schools that go across like the whole East Coast yes, and yes. so on. And it's like, whoa, They're that's like, really oh, oh, weird. She went to Choate. I'm, I'm sorry, he's a Regis boy. Did you go to Wiener Dog Day Prep? Oh, Boston Latin. Uh-huh, and um, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? I've never heard of any of this shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. that, that is what the University of Dallas is like, but like much weirder. Like, like, like <laughs> Choder is like things I've heard of. It's just like, I did not realize when I signed up that every single one of my classmates would either go to one specific prep school in St. Louis or one specific prep school in Phoenix. And like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> did you go to Hockaday? St. Mark's? They, there is a bit of a novelty that comes. Perhaps Nolan Catholic? <laughs> because, because even going to a public school in, in these sort of elite circles... They kind of view that as a novelty, even though 90% of kids in the U.S. go to public schools. Yeah. So it's like yeah. not even remotely novel. And, and even yeah. the ones that go to private schools, it's like half of that are like these little religious schools that aren't like notable in any way. Yeah. And, 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 but they will view that as interesting. And then in my case, you know, I went to the University of Oklahoma, and then it's even more like, It's oh. not very novel that a <laughs> Texas public school yeah, it goes to OU. graduate would go to U.S. No. We send all of them. Right, right, right. But then there, it's like, wow, someone who went to a Texas public school in the University of Oklahoma, he's like smart and has like interesting things to say. That's really like... No, they had laws down there. <laughs> they used to tell me uh, at Martin that uh, Baylor was Martin High School South. Texas Tech. Yeah. yeah. Lubbock or UTA. My brother went to UTA. I think it's, it is neat that in Texas, you know, I only noticed this after the fact, after leaving that... The public schools are such a big feature. And I mean, you do have like Baylor and TCU as well. But like everywhere else, up and down the West or East Coast, they're all clustered around the same. Like they're thinking about NYU and Stanford and so on. In Texas, it's like you go to, you know, uh, any gas station and there's uh, public school tchotchkes everywhere and like pub- yeah. public university. And like that's kind of neat. Like, it, it, you know. That that, it, that there's such an emphasis and pride in the public universities yes, in a red state and in the blue states. They hate their public universities. And that's why, by the way, in some of these proposals that are like free public, free college, but only for public in the, in the East Coast, that's like free college for shitty schools. Because yeah. for to them, they're like, that's, the, that's where poor people go. But like in Texas, no, UT, that's, the, that's, that's where you want to be. Uh, so there's a, even the cultural disconnect there that feeds into these policy proposals and the way that they think about them because they think about free public colleges like those are not good schools. Um, so and I, so someone at one point, uh, I think this is pretty indicative of the general situation here. Someone at one point uh, asked me to, uh, you know, tried to commission an essay from me and they, they wanted the subject of the essay. They, I guess, noticed my tweets on this subject. And they were like, are you willing to write an essay about being willing to send your children to public school. <laughs> and I was like, no. And you shouldn't It'd be too scandalous a topic. I was like, you, you you shouldn't commission that. At ninety percent of people are in public schools. You shouldn't act like this shocks you because it will confirm everything everyone hates about us. Right? Like no, public school is normal. It's normal to go to public school. It's fine. School's a commodity. Like, you remember that piece in the yeah. Atlantic that was like 
this guy's harrowing journey oh, to have Lord. sending his kid to a public school in New York. <laughs> it's just like, what? He's it's like, so unrelatable. It's not. And, and in the end, he pulls them out and puts them in private school. Just couldn't take it, you know? Yeah. And then he's like congratulating himself at one point. He's oh, like, my children were disappointed to learn that the founding fathers were actually white because of Hamilton. Oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah. Fuck, man. That was him signaling his wokeness. Maybe He's you like, look, I'm not, I'm not racist. Yeah. That's not why I'm doing this. We, yeah, lo- no. we love Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> it's <just> really like <laughs> what? It's hard for me to relate, uh, relate to that at all. I don't know. I, I, I have found having like grown up a normal person. You know, if you had asked me as a high schooler, are you going to end up writing for the New York Times or being a person of any note? I'd be like, no. I'll be lucky if I can do what my mom did and be like a federal bureaucrat for 30 years. You know, that's a good job. Yeah, I didn't aspire to much. It just sort of unfolded this way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's always weird because, you know, I, I I figured I'd be huge and now I uh, drive Uber. So. <laughs> that well, you, you show have you. It's Just Banter. I do have It's yeah, Just Banter. It's a big one. Which is really good. One of, one of the top podcasts in the region. Yeah, it's a major <laughs> North Texas top podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know. People shouldn't sell it short. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I do, I do think that those people probably misunderstand a little bit, uh, the degree to which our public schools do kind of have their own like thing going on in, in them. Although I, Matt certainly doesn't sound like you were in a lot of AP classes or were you? I was. Yeah. 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 Matt was in solid APs. Yeah. I went AP across the board. I mean, I never like kicked ass in my grades. Uh, but, but it, it seemed like they just didn't want to put up with my shit. (laughs) they scooted me through this was the approach uh so i had a different approaches at different schools i was a troublemaker in all of them right in the elementary school they went full punitive it was two days suspension every infraction i had like you know talking without your hand raised two days suspension too like they were trying to break me and that didn't work and then in uh, middle school they kind of moved me around mm-hmm. like you know if I would create problems they would move me into a new class and just kind of do that because it's only two years so like just move them around a little bit and then in high school the strategy of the VP that ended up with me was just like scoot him through if he's having issues with a particular teacher just find some accommodation to like make it work and sometimes I would have to spend uh, like whole whole classes I would spend in the VP's office for like the duration of the semester and she'd have me like run (laughs) passes and stuff like that. Um, And so that was their strategy, which I thought was probably the best strategy. And it was kind of like, look, Matt is, does good in school. He has good grades. He's not a particularly problematic person. He's not like most of the people that are coming to the office every day uh, who are fighting and shit like that. So uh, let's just kind of scoot him through. Yeah. Not Um, like crying out for jail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I gave an Uber ride to a guy who had been here from New York for like a month. And uh, one, he insisted on calling uh, Texas U of T. Which, like, <laughs> I tried to like drop hints a couple times. Like, yeah, UT is a really good school. Uh, <laughs> but it was blowing his goddamn mind that it's like, that he's like, I've, I've talked to these people. Uh, you know, I mean, like he, he was in a nice neighborhood, so he didn't call them like you know, other members of the rich. But like you know, it's what's going on <laughs> in my head. Uh, and 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 they they send their children to the U of T, <laughs> and then whenever it's time for law school, they go 
to the U of T. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that, that is in no way novel to me, man. No. <laughs> so he thought that was them sort of slumming it as far as schools go. Uh, no, he, I, I think that he could recognize based on, like whenever he would recoil in horror, he had had other elites explain to him that uh, actually this is good, this is what we do. Right, yeah. But, but the, just that they had explained that to him was, was so shocking. Like he didn't disbelieve them. Right. He was just uh, surprised. He by was still digesting this concept, <laughs> it, yeah. He's probably still digesting it now. <laughs> yeah. this, this was probably about a year ago. Yeah, no, it, I, I, he was shook. I could see that. Yeah. Definitely come, if they're coming from the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you pretty much, like, is schools that large, like, you, you've got, just by the numbers, there's no way you're not going to have at least, like, a couple good teachers. And then, you know, you've, you've got your, your class of smart students that are all going, like, you know, is, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's the confusion that I get when they talk because people definitely in DC they talk about schools and schools and schools. That's like a thing for sure if yeah. you're talking to parents. And and I don't know because I haven't really been in the DC schools or thought about them too much. But you know the schools are are heterogeneous in the sense that our school had three, 4,000 kids in it. So yeah, you get the whole thing. Like, so the idea of a bad school is like, what are you talking about? You've got some kids yeah. in here who are getting perfect scores on the SAT and you got others that are in and out of juvenile detention. Right. Like that's just the nature of the beats. I don't know what a good or bad school is. This school contains one seventh of all the kids in the city. Like that's just what yeah. it is. Um, I mean, it's great in a, in a certain way because I remember, uh, you know, when we were in high school, they were so busy trying to like deal with kids who were committing crimes and shit that if you were like in APs and stuff, they were like, yeah, whatever, do your thing. We're not paying a lot of attention to you. You know, they had real stuff to worry about, and um, it was nice. I mean, yeah, I, no, you got to do a lot felonies, of, probably. Yeah, I mean, like there, there was stabbings. There were yeah, yeah, stabbings. There were violent crimes committed by students at our school, and so they were like, you know, if you're doing APs and you just want to like lounge around in the hall when you should be in class, it's kind of up to you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that wasn't so bad. Yeah, less lazy affair about the drug possession. Just want to warn you. Yeah, you gotta be <laughs> you gotta be a little careful with that. <laughs> Did you do? Um, here's another one from Jake. Uh, he, he was really going on about this one. I don't know. The, he he said that he could only ask it good if he were here. So uh, you know, I'll I'll take my best shot at it. It's an economy question. Oh lord. Right. Um, but uh, he he was just uh, remarking on how he had heard some people on Fox News say that uh, uh, this this was. Uh, unlucky for trump because he'd been overseeing the best economy in history and now like what what a raw hand you know mm, yeah yeah um and uh jake jake's point i think was that it might not have been the best economy in history well yeah i Do don't know about disagree in, no i, th I think he, he <laughs> i'm being a dick to him sure, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was a little bit better question than that it was uh uh that like like you know whatever whenever you have like this like like how much of employment before now was just like spinning people on this hamster wheel in a way that was like pretty fucking easy to kick them off of it if you're going to kick them off of it millions at a time every week. Like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we we see that a lot of work is not necessary, strictly speaking. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, some of it might be nice to have, uh, even if it's not necessary. As far as like the general question, you know, Trump... 
Trump, you know, uh, before this all happened, the employment situation, which is what people usually talk about when they think when they talk about the economy, it's all unemployment and that sort of thing. The employment situation was as good as it had been since Clinton. So like 1999, like it was it was back to that level. So we've gone 20 years in an economy that was by employment measures worse than the 1990s and now we're you know we had a few months of that and now we're back we're we're in the worst situation we've been in since the 60s or 70s by employment um, measures but you know the nature of the beast with the US is even when we have high levels of employment there's still a ton of poverty a ton of inequality still 30 million people without health insurance etc cetera, etc cetera, right so employment is not the only thing um, and so the fixation on that as the be-all, end-all can be a little bit uh, confusing and wrong, but that is a fixation that exists for sure in the press. And so if the unemployment rate is low, people say that's like, man, you're really doing, you're doing a good job. And of course, the other point on this is, to what extent can you say Trump is responsible for it? Like realistically, you know, presidents end up in lucky situations based on where they're timed, right? Yeah. So. Obama it all seems like kind of bullshit, man. Obama comes in right after the Great Recession. Trump comes in, you know, after we've had a slow and excruciating recovery, and it still recovers more. And then now he's unlucky because the coronavirus hit, and it's sort of goofy in a kind of, you know, pure democratic way that control of the country turns on these random events that presidents don't necessarily have control over, but nonetheless cause people to feel bad and like want to throw them out um but that's that's just the nature of the beast so yeah uh, what so you know you, you say the unemployment is kind of a an unsatisfying measure of how everything is doing even more than unemployment seems like people like to reference the stock market which is also uh highly unsatisfying is there any like one thing that you that you feel like uh is going to to do it or uh you know it's just the complicated answer of you just got to look at a lot of factors oh yeah as far as like a singular measure um if you had to name one thing do, do you have one that quickly comes to mind mm, not really i mean i think there are two things right so one is going to be income growth like overall income growth and then two is the distribution of that income growth so you want you know the overall distribution of income in society to be getting more and more equal, and you want the amount of income to be going up and up and up. That's sort of like the ideal situation, like in terms of gradual year-over-year change. Um, so those are the two I would look at. Cool. So do you guys have a, a, a ranking of the ticket hosts? I'm sure Matt does. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. I know, like, Liz, you, you, you referenced ticket stuff like a decent amount, but was it more of a uh, uh, Matt listening and you, you're also in the car? No, you seem I mean, to absorb quite a bit of it. Yeah, I like, uh, you know, I like the comedy bits. Uh, you know. Your dad listened to it, right? My I dad mean, She was in the car a ton with her family and they would listen My to it. My dad would take me to school in the mornings. Um, Many many years. Yeah, you would get the pulling off that Slurpee on the way, <laughs> coming you, you off would, a, a long night of Slurpees, getting up to get more Slurpee. You would get the eight four. You would get the eight forty bit on the way to school, right? Yep. Muse in the news and the eight forty bit. I definitely remember Muse in the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when in fact, when I proposed doing a podcast to Matt, he was initially skeptical, and I, I, saw, he was like, "What would we even do?" You know, I was like, "Muse in the news." Yeah, I mean that was the you know the OG. That's great, right? Let's just do that. You know, chit chat about the news. And I thought I love the drops. I love the bits. Um, I don't know anything about sports, but of course, not necessary for that 
Number you know, one is slot. Gordo for sure. Gordo's a genius. Um, he's a troubled man. <laughs> um, he's also a really beautiful writer. Yeah, uh, he's he's written some really lovely stuff. Although I I, I always hate the way that like uh, like the, the his fellow employees of the morning news mainly like talk about it. Like like they they seem to be saying that like. Yeah, you know, obviously from his on-air stuff, he's fucking worthless. But <laughs> whenever he writes, uh-huh. you know, and it's like he's he's entered, he's doing a lot more to increase like the just he's he's benefiting society more in his like you know providing people with levity and like oh I think he's hilarious yeah yeah than he is by like right I mean listen his columns are beautiful but like I don't know I like. A lot more people are hearing him doing the other thing, and like, yeah. I, on balance, I think it's doing more to uh, you know put us all in a a better place. And I, you know, he he's uh, like just his job is smart man talking to dumb people. Like that's a really <laughs> fucking valuable. Like I think he's really expanding the horizons of a lot of the listening audience. Absolutely, absolutely. That, yeah, that that is a remarkable thing. Is his his reach? I mean, we talked about this. I think on our podcast but the thing i always remember is when he talks about when he was doing a, a fake big techs yeah and he was talking about big techs pulling up fair goers and chomping off their head <laughs> like, like goya, goya devouring his son and i was like not that, goya dumbass chronos oh yeah goya is the author sorry yeah or the painter <laughs> <laughs> anyways yeah so i thought you know but but yeah i mean after gordo you know i you know, I probably I would probably would say Junior Miller. Junior Miller gets me. Going. I was also wrong about that. It was Saturn. Whatever. I'm sorry. Whatever. He's Look, more. I'm a he's more. Now. He's more cultured than we are. Um. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I mean, he's great. He's wonderful. I like Norm. I think he's a great guy. <laughs> um, he seems very sweet, right? Um, you know, uh, I, I, have, I have positive things to say about Norm. Most certainly, uh, he, he's he's one of the as far as like the. Is Norm a good guy? I think that's, uh, of all the people I've ever met in my entire life, I think it's the most interesting question to ask about about him in particular. Because there's way, like, you know, the, uh, like, I remember one time he came back from, like, a trip to the Amazon and had, uh, like, a piranha skeleton. Oh. But, like, like, that he, like, plucked out of the river or something. Uh, and just, like, tossed it to an intern and was like, clean this off. <laughs> like, like the way that he would like uh, kind of uh, treat the interns is like uh, like uh, there's a way that he would be inconsiderate that like it absolutely did not register to him as inconsideration. No, no. Um, but like, but like, the, there's also like there absolutely there's other stories of like like I know you know he he doesn't know I know this like you know because he's not like out front and ostentatious about it that like uh, he has a friend who like uh, became handicapped and like throughout that process was in the hospital for a long time this is a person who's very social with a lot of friends uh and like the one that was showing up like every two fucking days to be like hey buddy how you doing was norm you know mm-hmm. um and so he's, he's got a ton of stuff like that but then like um i, I don't want to name names to be be a dick to them but there's another member of support staff that uh uh who would frequently characterize like like just that norm gets so much out of asking other people to do things for him <laughs> Like uh, you know, I mean, I I think that if I were in his position of being a successful radio host for as long as he had, like I'd, I'd probably be pretty fucking done with doing my own shit too. <laughs> um, but but I I don't know that I'd have the uh, the shamelessness to go about it in the, that particular way. Yeah, I mean, right. I I'm, I like the Cobra. Sure. <laughs> um, Jub Jub. Jub Jub. 
Uh, I like Dan. Who was it? Who Dan, used to Dan would probably be number three uh, after Junior Miller, though him and Junior are close. One, one year, someone read a letter they wrote to Santa asking him to that get their Gordo. dad to stop drinking. That was Gordo. Was that Gordo? Yeah. That was that was he, memorable. He, it, they're they're uh they're very similar. Uh, his big text and his Santa like are are pretty much the same thing. <laughs> um, but but both fucking excellent. Just great. And like great you bits. know why not do that bit twice a year? Uh, I, uh, I see no reason. Yeah, I mean you know it's the holiday season. You start off with big text in the fall. You run it in uh, all the way to Christmas. Almost always includes the line uh, Mrs. Claus moved in with a black guy. It's really the <laughs> we we listened one year uh, Matt and I m- my husband and I. Uh, this guy right here, who you all know and love, uh, to the Jason Kidd song. Do you, oh, oh yeah, my and God. we were like, "Dear Lord, that I had was that not." Uh, I had that one recorded on a, a tape cassette um, from when, when I was like thirteen, and I just I was like, "This is this is fantastic!" Is the Jason Kidd singing to uh, Dancing, Dancing Queen? Queen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it, it was it, um, and unbelievable. I, at the at the time, it didn't strike me. I was like, "Oh, that's a funny joke song." And then and we we listened to it again, and when we I was in college, I was like, "Oh my god." I yeah. didn't. I did not recognize every it. fucking line. <laughs> <laughs> it's Packed a, with meaning. It's so, um, it's that it's, and the uh, uh, they know who did it, but they just can't figure out why. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which I th- I think that that was an actual Jason Kidd response referring to the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. No, Jason Kidd had a lot of weird lines like that. <laughs> but yeah, he, he said his, his trade from Dallas was like the Kennedy assassination in that they know who did it, but they just can't figure out why. <laughs> we uh, we so in conversation with one another, we still use a lot of ticket drops. Um, my God, probably being. That was Barry Switzer the talking about one, going to the airport gun. with his gun. Yeah. He did do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I looked down and I saw that handgun and I thought, my God. Yeah, yeah. Cut, my God's a good one. Cut, drop right there. Mark, mark, mark. Uh, not, in my opinion, the best uh, uh, ticket-focused audio quote from a Cowboys coach, though. I, I, I would point to Bill Parcells, uh, his word for surprise plays. that uh, he, he, he thought a good allegory would be to uh, Pearl Harbor. But when, <laughs> when when making that, did not use the words Pearl Harbor. He instead used a, a slur for uh, for Japanese people. Oh no, sir! <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. and then, uh, said that he meant absolutely no offense by it. Okay. So you know, just just so we're clear on that. There was such a clever use of. I remember this was during the we were going to war in Iraq when I was listening to the Ticket a lot news in the news, and they would say stuff like today Saddam Hussein. That was whenever George canceled the Nick Van Exel show, <laughs> and they would drop like "Glad to finally be on the show" or something as uh-huh. soon as they oh, yeah, mentioned yeah. Uh, Osama bin Laden. Or yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was such like it was such a time of intense fear and like you know there was high tension and there was a lot of polarization i mean in terms of the temper you know the 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 tenor of the moment it felt not unlike this right with you know liberals and their feelings towards bush and then conservatives and their feelings about you know kind of avenging 9-11 or whatever um you know it was very tense and this was the only source of levity or or of taking things in a kind of ironic way that i i really think kind of like laid the groundwork for me becoming an irony shitpost lefter. Yeah, 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 I forgot. I yeah, we talked about What that. high praise to give them. 
I, I mean, you know, thank you so much. I mean, it certainly had a lot to do with making Matt the shit poster there's he a, is today. There's a proto-dirtbag type element to it, though not dirtbag left, but it definitely has that, you know, there's a familiarity you see a little bit with it. And like well, they certainly felt and, comfortable. You know, so, even though they're not obviously descended from them in any way. But well, they, they felt comfortable no, like mocking conservatives. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, no, they, they definitely... Uh, it, it, I, I would. Not, I really don't feel like most of them have uh, tremendously strong political feelings. Um, All I remember was was Reins and Grego always talking about the left. The left. And I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I remember. Which uh, at the time, um, my dad thought was really funny, and so and he's on the left. So, uh, but I didn't really know what they meant when I was hearing them talk about the left. So. Yeah, it's always been hard for me to square. Like, uh, like it just seems like such a cultural thing with Mike. Like, I don't know. He's he's a really sweet guy. Like, as far as people who've been like personally nice to me, there, like, you know, he's at the top of the list. Like, awesome dude. Uh, and, and you know, he's like that to a lot of people. And and I, I've been I've been told that that's like a, a late in life development for him. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, probably at the time that he was talking in two thousand three, he was generally uh, you know uh, meaner to people. Um, but, but I, you know, whatever, uh, it's, it's not like, uh, holding Republican views, uh, means that you can't be a nice person, but, sure. you know, um, in my experience, it doesn't go together a lot. Uh, and so, yeah, I've always have found that hard to square, but in general, it seems like he pretty much just stopped talking about it. I don't, I don't know that he really gives too much of a shit nowadays. You can be a Republican and, um, be really hilarious. Yeah. Uh, maybe not self-aware. <laughs> all the time but I mean I don't know I mean I I, I I mean they are getting they are starting to understand comedy and it is making me scared <laughs> <laughs> they are getting immensely powerful I mean they're, they're I, I think I developed an appreciation you know for the ways in which you know kind of conservative people or, you know had had been good to me in a way that I didn't when I was a kid Sure. You know, yeah. at the time, I was like, you know, I had vastly different views and I was pissed off all the time. And once you become an adult and you have a little bit more control over your life, it kind of takes on a different valence, I guess. Still well, constantly seething, though. Always. <laughs> Politi- you know, personal politics, you know, from a lot of people are obviously kind of picked up unreflectively from, you know, whatever. So it's a little bit hard to, you know, these are people who are interested in sports and bands and they grow up in, an, in a certain area. If they'd grown up in another part of the country, they would have sort of reflexively mirrored that. So, I, you know, I don't... It's different from talking about sort of regular type people than, like, people in D.C. or whatever who are in the discourse and who are just, like, hardcore, yeah. like, actually trying to push the envelope. For, for normal people, I don't... It, that just doesn't bother me too much, um, just depends on the person whether because you can just have people who are just reflectively reflexively conservative reflexively liberal and they can be good people or they can be assholes and you know it just depends are you worried uh about the idea matt of moving here and falling out of the discourse you know you know the discourse is online and uh, you know i'm I'm still i'm a big player on the internet so uh (laughs) you know i think i could keep it up would you be able to you know attend some of the uh the, the various networking events that, that you have such easy access to now. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a good point. I won't, yeah, I won't be able to go to the, 
the Vox holiday party anymore. Yeah. Um, probably won't even get an invite. Yeah, they probably just, oh, he's in Texas now. And Liz, like whenever you're going to uh, coordinate attacks against Beto with a <laughs> wide vera- array of people, yeah. you're going to have to do that over the phone now. Maybe on Bernie's hit squad against Beto. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a moment of despair uh, about left politics. Um, so, I mean... I'm I'm happy to come here and just become a Texas nature writer. I'm just going to be out in River Legacy every day. <laughs> I can also get, you know, I can I can climb the ranks of the Texas discourse, you know. I can get into the Texas Monthly, um, you know, and just really just start stirring shit here, you know. In all seriousness, I really love the Texas Monthly and I respect it quite a bit and it would be an honor to be in the Texas Monthly. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's I, a great, like it it's a, a great bit. magazine. Yeah, fantastic, great editing, uh, great graphics. I mean, they do a wonderful job with their photography. I mean, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, my journalism professor, the school I went to is small and had one journalism professor. So whenever I say my journalism professor, I mean the only person employed <laughs> there to uh, teach that class uh, was 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 adamant. He would tell us like you know nearly on a class by class basis. If you uh, if you buy a copy of that, you're going to find something in it you like, and I've found that to always be true. That's absolutely true. I always buy it on a newsstand when I'm getting on a plane or something, and I want to read something. Uh, you know, it's wonderful. I think it's great. Yeah. So, do 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 you legitimately feel a a moment of despair about uh, the current state of the left? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, shit, man. We'll see where it goes. We got, you know, it's hard to say. We got to see who's going to win the next election because that'll change a lot. You know, um, we got to see who's running mate is. You know. There's a lot that's sort of in flux right now. It could go any number of ways. Running mates don't matter. And, they do um, matter because, because Biden is almost dead, right? He's, he's barely alive. And so if he wins the presidency and his VP is whatever, that person's going to run for president next time and already have a big head, head start. Um, who's you know. his, who, what VP pick could Biden reasonably make that would give you any kind of confidence in the future for the left in the executive. Well, so you yeah. gonna pick Bernie? No, well, none of them. But I have a friend who says Klobuchar is very good. Mm-hmm. Very good in what sense? No, I'm, I'm fucking with you guys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I, we we do have a friend on our on our Twitch stream that we, we found out. Uh, like he just volunteered the information, which I I certainly wouldn't do. That that in the primary he did vote for Amy Klobuchar. Okay. <laughs> in <laughs> Texas? Ever, yeah, yeah. She was she, she dropped was, out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he just, he just was dead on. I yeah. think that I think that she. Uh, you know. We, we're, we were Super Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, she had not. He he voted early. He did early vote. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I could see that. <laughs> could you? <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at least she's running, so that's that's yeah. a benefit. Uh, yeah. So it's hard to say in that situation, and and you know what are the Democrats going to win the Senate? Um, you know, like for example, if Joe Biden loses the presidency. Then 2024 is is open again, and then like I don't know. Now, now we got to figure out who's going to run for that, and then you just start the cycle over again. If he wins, but the Dems don't win the Senate, then it'll be he'll accomplish nothing. If he wins and the Dems do win a Senate, then he'll also accomplish nothing, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I don't know. It, it's hard to figure out what the next move is. I'm very given to moments of like totally black despair. Um, so, I mean, you know, you should take my despair with a grain of salt, but I mean, 
Weird random stuff happens though, like That's true. coronavirus. That's true. You know, That's true. so I'm always open to see. You know, we we the left has made a lot of uh, inroads in the. You know, it hasn't been a total failure. We've got like some seven elected officials now in Congress. Something I would have never have believed like ten years ago. So that's true. And then we got the aged. You know, the aged demographical. You know, wave uh, you coming. You can't count on demographics. But potentially. So you know, it's it's still a, a long shot, but it's. You know, it's not as long as it was ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jake and I's roles are—he's he, definitely more of the uh, black despair kind of thing. Um, and so, so I, I'm, I'm very practiced. I feel at uh, trying to point out that we do have some good things going on. You know, I mean, for one, like it's just such a better situation than it was like eight years ago, like night and fucking day. You know, the, the, I just think that the fact that uh, Bernie proved so conclusively that like it's possible to raise that now. It's very confusing me. I have no idea what to make of it, or the fact that he raised so much more than Biden, and like it just didn't matter. Yeah, and maybe that's what it needed to be to like get it close, and like now he's laid out a blueprint that someone else can run with. I think that's possible, but I mean, dude, the fact that like uh, you know, I, I don't know, that this is like a good thing overall in the, for in the long run, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but like the fact that like an opportunistic, you know, like a uh, shitbag that just like wants to be someone important now sees that like, well, if I uh, say all these like left things, then I can get a ton of donors. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, uh, it's horrible, and I, I, I saw some members of Congress do this um, yeah. directly. You're gonna <laughs> see it more and more. And, and the worst but then they, thing, they, but then they are going to be pressured to follow through on it. Like they're not going to have those donors the next time around. Like they're they're beholden to those donors the same way that anyone else is beholden to their donors. Right. Yeah. No. I, I think you know most politicians they don't really have strong ideological views. They just want to be in politics, and so to the extent that we can position this as like here's what you can do, things can change more quickly. I mean, even with Biden, though, I don't think he's serious about this. Any of the stuff that's on his website. If you look at the website, you know, there are interesting things on there that would absolutely not have been in Obama's platform, like like much further to the left. And again, what does that mean? I probably nothing except that hey, whoever it is in that like professional position who like needs to write the stuff on the website yeah. is someone who was like, oh, it's got to be this stuff because, you know, we got to appeal to whatever, you know, like they made a decision to go one way or another. And for whatever reason, they decided to write a, a more left wing thing than is typical of Democrats. So that's something. But, you know, but the, it's it's being thrown to the left as such a token vigor. Oh, you won the war of ideas. I don't want to win the war of ideas. Yeah, I want to win the war of the war. Yeah. Right, like I don't want to have a moral victory. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, uh, you know, maybe that's just sour grapes, but you know, you can't. <laughs> Winning the war of ideas would mean that you actually agree with the idea now, and you are going to put it into your legislation, which has not, in fact, yeah. happened. So. Well, yeah, I, I want to win the war of policy. I just want to get the stuff implemented. I don't particularly care. I mean, if Joe Biden has, you know, is just completely dementia out, and but he's going to vote for you know, uh, Medicare for all or something like that. Perfect. Like, I don't care. That's fine with me, I'm but not, I don't, I, I don't think he will. Not sure we're there. I think no. he's pretty, he's been pretty, uh, emphatic about disagreement there. So he has made some of those points fairly strongly. Yeah. 
Um, all right, it's super late now, but I do have one last string of things I'd like to ask you about, if that's okay. Go sure. ahead. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Liz, I, I have to figure that you're, uh, you're you're tired of this by now because you're probably surrounded by lots of people who don't have strong religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sorry to, uh, <laughs> to, to put you through these, but like I don't know, I, I I don't feel like I've. It's not like you never write about religion, but like uh, you know, I, I don't f- don't feel like it's like a main topic on uh, on the on the podcast. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Um, like I, I don't know. You know, I, I was uh, I was I was raised to be Catholic. I, I currently have no uh, you know religious convictions and like, but but because of that, like I always have like I I do always like look at people who who have religious convictions as like having something I don't. You know, like like something that's like boy that that that, that that's like. You know the, the people I grew up going to church with, like they all seem nice and they have a certain amount of happiness, and they, you know more than, uh, than than my depressive self sometimes. You know, um, and so, but I, but I just I, I can I I have a hard time looking around and feeling like uh, anyone worked very hard to uh, to plan out this whole system. Like if if I were going to make uh, a world, I I, th- I think I would include a lot less misery. <laughs> Um, and like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I by no means think that I'm the first person to like ever, uh, point this out or anything. Um, but like, I don't know, I, I do, I always do wonder what, uh, people who have religious beliefs, like, you know, that, that, that's basically like, there, there's certainly plenty of other things I could talk about, but that's basically the off ramp for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, um, I'm sure you, you seem to largely see the same things, but process that information differently. And I, I, I would, I would love to hear you expound on uh, that, uh, that, that difference. Oh, the problem of evil. Well, then it has to do with where evil comes from, and there are two kinds of evil, right? There's moral evil and natural evil. Natural evil, uh, things that are not the result of a choice someone made, uh, getting eaten by a tiger, uh, volcanoes plagues, things like that. Um, And they're just elements of the natural world. There's some effort to explain this uh, theologically. There's even efforts to explain it scripturally. Um, All of creation groans under the weight of sin, which suggests that identically there were not such events. Uh, But the uh, exile from Eden introduced them. Uh, That's the, the more difficult one for me, right? The the easier one for me, kind of paradoxically, is moral evil, which is evil that occurs because people make choices. You know, I think that one's pretty obvious, right? I mean, uh, people have free will, you know? Why would God give us free will? Because we're made for love. You can't love if you're not free. Not in the way um, that we love when we are free. I feel like this is a dumb point even before I'm saying it, but like, I don't know, you know, like if, if you're all powerful, like, you know, just, 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 just make it like, you can, if you can do anything, like then certainly you can do that, right? <laughs> like you can do anything. Right. I mean, well, but God. But I don't know, it's probably a childish, uh, you know, you can do anything. Well, so. he, he also, I mean, he remarks on his own nature and our nature corresponds to his nature, right? And so it's not a question of not being able to do anything else. It's a matter of having a desire that we are made in his image, that we love the way he loves, right? That was the will of God, and we do love the way he loves, when we love, when we can, when we rise to that level, and he loves us. And I I think that, 
you know, people make decisions for various reasons to not do that. And I also, when I get extremely upset about the problem of, of evil, and, and I get upset about human evil, about moral evil all the time. I mean, in fact, the greater part of my journalistic work is just obsessively pouring over sure. yeah. evil things people have done. Um, but I also see in human behavior extraordinary acts of love and self-sacrifice and even just everyday beauty that I find really stunning. Um, and it just falls, I don't know, through my pupils and into my soul when I see beauty in people and honor and dignity and glory and all of those things. I you can see a little glimpse of God, um, like just for a fleeting moment. And I've always been able to feel that. Uh, and I, and I have been under such pressure for such a long time to not be religious, right? Because like, if you're, if you're a smart person, if you're an educated person, the higher you go, the less people you find who, who agree with you on that point. And I mean, I was in a PhD program and I won fancy scholarships and I'm now in a, you know, zone where there's not a whole lot of religion, uh, you know, highly educated professionals on the left, especially. And I, if I could, if I could see my way clear to it, I, you know, it would certainly have been advantageous for me to have done away with it a long time ago, but I, I just can't stop um, seeing what I see. And, and that's the, that's the only answer I've got to that one. Sure. Matt, where do your religious convictions come from? Well, I wouldn't say I'm too religious. Uh, More spiritual? (laughs) (laughs) No, so it's weird. You know, my parents are not religious. And so, you know, I just didn't grow up in it at all. So I don't really think about it too much one way or another. In that sense, I'm like open to it and I'm fine with it. You know, like I don't have an opposition to it uh, precisely because it was a non-entity for my whole childhood. Um, That's weird because I've read on the internet that, uh, that, that you are super religious. Yeah, yeah. People, people like to, to bring all sorts of things that either I believe and they think Liz believes them or vice versa. We're, we're sort of a unit, and I guess on some level we bring that upon ourselves, but, but we, we do, we are not actually identical people, and you know, we have different backgrounds and that sort of thing. So. But you live in the same house. We do live in the same house, you know. Matt doesn't believe in anything that's not governed by the laws of physics. He believes that he could quantify the number of atoms of love he has for the children uh, chemically, uh, you you can know. do brain scans for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that is kind of how I feel. <laughs> it's, uh, everything is uh, everything is simply particles governed by the laws of physics. I just don't think too hard about it, frankly. And yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, you know, of of, of what a materialist, physicalist mm-hmm. explanation uh, does is very uh, convenient and simple. The so. sense organ that uh, senses transcendence is not there. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's largely where I feel like I'm at. Well, obviously, it doesn't make you less uh, intelligent or capable of dealing with the world because Matt is more intelligent than I am and deals with the world uh, more aptly than I do. So, mm, so no. 
Perhaps no. I have. Well, in some sense, I... How many times I, have you been fired? <laughs> I'm less affected by things, but... After uh, this podcast. <laughs> but I, but I, I, do, uh, yeah. I, I do manage to get, get in trouble quite well, frequently. Well, but you're, you're highly principled. But I mean, you, you understand the world quite well, and uh, you, you, your emotions don't give you the trouble that mine give me on occasion, um, the despair and... Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I don't yeah. get depressed at all, really. I mean, no, you, well, you when I when I when I did lose my job and my sister was murdered, but you know, other than well, that, oh Jesus Christ! I mean, you know that. I mean, but 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 Matt, he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of emotional upset. He's a happy man every day, Matt. Uh, people, yeah, I'm like a big dumb, you no. know, oaf. I mean, I'm no. I'm I'm I have certain skills, but I'm just like I'm I'm you know, in the deep down way, just kind of a a happy oaf. You know, Matt doesn't let things hang on him you know like if something bad happened to me 10 years ago it occasionally comes to my mind and i'll have a bad six hours being like why did that have to happen why did that happen to me what did i do what could i have done differently why do i still think about it when is it going to stop hurting me uh you know bad things happen to matt and like you know 30 45 minutes later he's back to peak matt mood and he just doesn't dwell yeah he doesn't brood. That's I'm a simpleton in that sense. The past doesn't exist, you know. Yeah, no, no, no past. Only the present and the future, which uh, results in an incredibly optimistic outlook. And um, I think, you know, I think Matt's wonderful. I think he's a great counterbalance. Thank you. I do too. I know, and uh, <laughs> and I think that Matt is a great brand manager of Matt just by being emphatically who he is at all times. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is stunning to me, um, and I, I, you know. You're saying that like some things weigh on you, but it does not appear that uh, cancellation attempts weigh on you too terribly much. Oh, who gives a shit? No, cancellation is fake. But no, it's, doesn't I can't matter. be canceled anymore. Crazy how often people attempt it. Uh, no, with, with I, both of you. I exist in a permanent state of being canceled and not canceled. It just means <laughs> nothing. I mean, especially if but you just, have like, your own income. Some of the income. people writing these tweets like clearly seem to have like they're sure in their heart like we're gonna fucking get them this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's a wild. Like, coyote aspect to it. <laughs> that's exactly it yeah. yeah well you just don't care cancellation yeah. i like only... the cancellations that are just repeats of old ones yes yeah. oh that's like, every every yeah. year did you see this piece in the I mean, huffington both of post you seem to on some level like crave it <laughs> <laughs> every every year uh you know the the conspiracy theorists say 9-11 happens every year uh and it, every year someone figures out i'm catholic <laughs> well, it's and it's it, weird because it raises you know. your profile, so it doesn't really hurt you too much. Because also the things they're canceling over are sort of silly and like pretty mainstream views that a lot of people hold. Yeah. So, so it's, you know, all you're doing is bringing a lot more people, you know, to to see who I am and subscribe to the podcast. So. I mean, you know, but also the cancellation attempts in some sense make you more powerful because you realize they don't affect your life at all. So then you become even more bizarre in the stuff you're willing to say. Oh yeah. No, my technique for dealing with cancellation most recently is as soon as I do something and I notice that a lot of people are pissed off, I just will do it again and again and again and again. And, and just to sort of prove that it's not, nothing's happening and then people get fatigued about it. Like the most recent one was when I said that college basketball players shouldn't be played shouldn't be paid because the quality of the game is very low. <laughs> he said anyone, anyone who's watched a college Fuck basketball you. game would never think that they should be paid. No. And then I, I mean, I, on the one hand, that's obviously true, but like, 
I log well, on. Well, it just misses the point, obviously, of the argument, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. that they generate revenue, not that it's a, it's a quality game. <laughs> yeah. But then people got so pissed, and of course, they're like, that's racist and whatever. Oh, and yeah. so I just kept doing different iterations of it for like a whole week. And then eventually people were just exhausted and like, whatever, okay. I believe it's a cousin of the Chris Paul arguments. <laughs> yes, now the, yeah, I love the Chris Paul. There have been so many times where I log on and my DMs are just solid, like, can you have a conversation with Matt? Or like, you know, I don't understand how Matt calls himself time a leftist. Yeah, can you, can you do something about Matt? There was this guy one time who Matt trolled and he was like, I just want you to know Matt will never work in this town again. Like, it turned out to be true. And then um. he said, and then he said, don't tell him I said that. Because <laughs> that guy wants to work in this town again. I you was know? like, he's my husband. I, you know, you can't <laughs> tell me stuff and then say, but don't tell him I said mm, that. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he thought that you, you guys' relationship was sacred. <laughs> we had to say, you know, but, uh, it, you know, it, there's been a lot of, uh, of situations. Every day, you know, I log on to Twitter, people freaking out about Matt. I'm like, what did you say? What did you do? And he, <laughs> he, he, you know, he has, a, you know, some kind of little bit he's working on, and you know. But I, I, I accept that I am already... I'm already canceled, and it, it you just ignore it. Like turn Twitter off, and it's over. Yeah, turn it off. Yeah. Go on a walk, and, and nobody knows what's going yeah. on. Yeah, you go so. out, look at people in the world. They have no idea that you're being canceled because you said that you know Adam Sackler is the protagonist of Girls, and you're free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it uh, it does make sense. I uh, I tremendously appreciate the time, you guys. Thank you so Thanks much. It's great. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.